Welcome to Little Cabin Knits, Episode 79, How to Incorporate Hugo Self-Care into Your Daily Routine. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a knitter, crocheter, full-time mom, mental health therapist, and explorer of my home state of Alaska. Today's episode contains On the Shelf, On the Couch, Roaming and Foraging, Homesteading, and Around the Campfire. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this journey as we explore Huga and its intersection with self-care. Before we begin, just a quick note about where you can find me on the interwebs. I am Anders Mill Knits and also Little Kevin Knits AK on Instagram. I'm also Anders Mill Knits on Ravelry and most of the time, or some of the time maybe, I put the show notes on my website, which can be found at andersmillknits.wixsite.com. And today you are in luck because I, I had enough energy that I wrote up the show notes for today, mainly also because it kept me organized and also because I just, I have a lot to say. <laughs> so in order that I don't deviate too much, which as you can see I am doing right now, I wrote up my show notes for you. And I also think that this is a really important subject and I wanted you to be able to have access to all the things that I talk about on today's episode. So you can, again, you can find me uh, on the show notes at andersmillknits.wixsite.com. On with the show. On the shelf. Well, if you guys remember in my last episode, episode 78, I talked about how uh, this year is going to be about filling in the gaps. One thing I did not mention during that time is that I am hoping to pare down my whip list considerably. So one of the things that I've been doing over the past month has been going through all of my whips and determining if this project is a worthwhile project. And the things that I characterized for it being a worthwhile project is mainly, A, am I enjoying the process of knitting or crocheting this? And B, is this something that is useful and will be used once it is completed? With those two parameters, I've actually frogged, is it three sweaters? I think it's three sweaters. I've got two more sweaters I'm about to frog. They're just waiting by my bedside to do that. (coughs) Pardon my coughs. I actually don't know how to edit out my coughs, so um, please be aware that that may happen. Um... And I'll tell you more about that in uh, the last segment of Around the Campfire. Um, I have frogged a shawl slash, I think actually, I think that was a cowl. (coughs) And two pairs of socks. So those have been frogged. Um, I have a shawl that has been on my needles for... I think seven years now 
And I did not, I determined not to frog that. And mainly it's because I remember really enjoying the process of knitting that shawl when I was doing it. And that I feel like it's going to be a very wearable, useful, and warm shawl when it's done. However, I still am reserving the idea of frogging it because I actually do not know where I am at on that shawl. And looking at my charts, what for the, the laces, lace on the ch- charts for that um, shawl, I am uh, struggling to figure out where I am. So I might have to frog it just by the mere fact that I can't figure out where I am in the shawl. And if I do that, then I'm going to just go ahead and repurpose the yarn for something else. But um, I can talk more about that when I've actually determined what that is. So for me, those are not finished projects, but they still kind of align with on the shelf. So I thought I would begin with that. And this month, I actually have finished one, two, three, four, five projects. And I feel really good about the projects that I have um, finished. Oh, also in this segment, I think I'm going to also talk about my, what I'm terming, actually, I'm really uncomfortable with the term of charity knitting or crocheting. I'm not really sure what, uh, uh, giving hearts or giving soul, maybe that's more what I would do it, but I'll talk about that in this segment as well when I get to that. But the first two things I finished were actually the same pattern, the Billy Pants by Asa Buchta. This is a free pattern by Barocco. You can find the pattern on Ravelry, but it will take you to the Barocco website to get the pattern itself. And these pants, first I knit the first one for Jimmy, and I knit this out of Loops and Threads Baby Cuddles in the colorway blue. I used exactly one skein. I think I maybe had three yards left over. If No, I don't even think I had three yards left over. I really honestly just had a little scrap of like 10 inches long left. And I knit the size 2T for Jimmy. I knit it completely to pattern, no deviation. Um, I knit this using US size 3 for the ribbing on both the waist and the ankle ribbing. And the rest of the, the body of the pants was knit in US size 6. Now, I cast this on on January 12th, and I cast it off on January 15th. And he has worn this quite a few times. We have had, not at the moment, where we have had sub-zero temperatures like negative 20 and he has uh, he loves being outside and so even when it's been negative 20 we've still gone out to take our walks and he wears those pants when we're out on our walks when it's that cold however out today it was 30 degrees we went from negative 20 to third actually yesterday it was 39 degrees in a matter of two days, we went, we made that shift. So it's been rather interesting here, and it has caused like some health problems for some people. Like I have, I've been having a headache for the past couple of days because of that, but I've been really loving that. So that brings me to um, actually my first, what I am terming under my charity knits 
or compassionate knits. I don't know what I'm going to call this, giving hearts, whatever. But the second pair of Billy pants was knit for somebody who I would not term as a friend, although I really enjoy them. But they are very special in our lives because they come to our house every Friday afternoon and give Jimmy some occupational and speech therapy. And he has been flourishing, as have I, under her care. Her name is Keisha. This woman is amazing. So she currently has um, two foster children and then one foster child that she has adopted. And the other two foster children, one of them is a newborn that is the daughter, uh, is the sister to the, to the uh, daughter that she adopted. And I just find this woman to be incredibly caring and giving of her time, her energy, and she is always there when I have a question via text or I can call her. It doesn't have to be on my Friday. And I've and not only that, but she has really assist. I, I might even cry a little here because I don't know that she understands what she has given Jimmy and myself, probably mainly myself. But, you know, I have really struggled being a mom, not in loving Jimmy, but in the particulars. There's so much argument about what a good mom is, what she looks like, what she does, how she behaves, um, and the things that she provides to her children. And I have felt a tremendous amount of pressure to conform to what I've been reading and seeing, not only in books, but online. And it's really been a struggle for me in that I always feel like I'm failing as a, as a mother. And so in that way, I have struggled to be a mom in every other way. Well, except for also my physical health has been very poor, um, for the past 20 months. <laughs> um, but it, but where it matters in loving my son and giving all my energy to the point of extreme exhaustion and beyond, I know that I succeed. And it's not even a hardship to do that. But when Keisha started coming to our home, immediately I felt reassured and stored up and strengthened by her presence. So much so, because she's never once told me that I am failing in any way. She is very strength-based, and she does it so naturally. Like, I feel so enriched by having her in my life. And knowing that it goes beyond her job, that this is who she is. I, when she saw Jimmy in his billy pants, she commented about, now her, her adopted daughter is, about a month older than Jimmy. And she commented how um, she thought that was the most beautiful thing and just so much more practical than snow pants because they don't really make snow pants for kids, under, uh, toddlers under two or ch babies under two and so on and so forth. And and so she did not ask, but after she left, I I think it was that night, um, or maybe it was the ne I think it was the next morning, because I remember I cast it on on a Saturday morning. 
it was January 20th, I went into my stash and I found another two skeins of loops and threads, baby cuddles, um, because she had shared with me that her toddler is bigger than Jimmy, round-wise and height-wise. Now, I always think Jimmy is big, and but that's my thought process because, you know, when he was born, he was five five and a half pounds. <laughs> so, <laughs> to me, him being now 23 pounds and so tall, at least by my estimation, but he doesn't even come to my waist, um, I think he, I think he's just huge in a in a very positive wonderful way and so but when she told me that her daughter was bigger than Jimmy um I knew that I needed to uh, I would need more yarn than what I used for Jimmy's and since that I used an exactly one skein of yarn of loops and threads I knew I would need two so I picked out the colorway pink and the colorway natural gray and this time I did modify the pattern. So in this one, you can go to Ravelry and it's called, my, my project is called Snow Pants and I have all the modifications that I put on there. Now I didn't modify the um, needles I used. I still used US size three for the ribbing and the cuffs and I still use US size six for the body. But I, I altered somewhat my cast on and how I did the legs, the, the width of the legs to accommodate for her daughter. And I was able to give that to her this last Friday, so two days ago, and she was in tears. She And she was just so excited. She was holding them up and ooing and aahing over them and just so excited to go home and try them on to her daughter that night. And I was like, well, <laughs> the sub-zero temperatures are now over. <laughs> But, you know, maybe it'll still be useful. And she has two other kiddos in her home that can grow into them as well. So uh, so I did give her those. And so I, I'm viewing that as my as part of my charity knitting for the month. And it was a joy to knit these up. So I cast these on on January 20th and cast off on January 24th. So again, that's another one I knit in just three or four days. <clears throat> the next thing that I knit was the November November Balaclava by Petite Knit. You can find this on Ravelry for $4.53 US dollars. And I don't think I am going to knit another pattern by Petite Knit. Now I could eat my words in the future. Um, I do have, I think, one sweater pattern of hers that I purchased like two years ago or something. Um, and I don't even know what it is. But I've knit a couple patterns by Petite Knit. I don't enjoy her pattern writing. <coughs> it is confusing. And in areas that it matters, vague. Um... Now, a lot of this can be put down to the fact that she is a Danish knitwear designer. <coughs> I'm so sorry um, that she's a Danish knitwear designer and so English is not her first language. I don't even know if she translates her patterns into English or somebody else does it. Um, but regardless of that, I struggle a lot of times with with the hype around petite knits patterns because for the most part I find her patterns um, 
not for the most part, in some parts, um, very simplistic. And maybe that's the beauty of it, especially for the adult sweaters. Maybe that's what everybody is looking for. But I, I, I struggle with the fact that, to me, what it looks like is she takes the same pattern and then she just does maybe a different cuff or a different uh, neck and then republishes it and um, puts it out for, for money. Now, I do not begrudge any pattern writer for uh, putting out patterns and, and putting a price on them. I do, I do think that um, um, they are compensated in the long term well for their patterns, uh, especially when they get really uh, a lot of notice. Um, in the short term, yes, I can see that they would price, if they were only looking at the short term, like the next couple months, what the pattern sales are, they might look at that as that I'm not compensated for the time that it took me to create this pattern and put it out there in the world. But, but I'm viewing it in the long term range. So in perpetua, she has this pattern out in uh, like forever. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. As long as she keeps her website up and she keeps her accounts up with the different places that she sells this pattern on, people will continue to buy them. And so she has a continuous revenue stream going on with this. And so, um, in a lot of ways, I don't prescribe to the fact that pattern writers price their patterns at too low, um, when they're selling them. That is not a politically correct thought process. And so feel free to disagree with me. Um, but that, that is my viewpoint. I don't have any pattern. I think I might have one pattern actually for $1 on Ravelry. Uh, but I'm also not a pattern writer. I just look for things that I don't, that I don't see out there that I want in my life and I create it and then I put it out there for free. And, um, but if I was doing this full time, uh, as, as my revenue stream, then maybe I would look at this differently. I don't know, but that is my, I don't know, perhaps biased opinion on things, but I really do struggle with petite knits pattern writing style. And I also struggle honestly with how popular she is right now. And if I had found somebody that I liked the, the toddler's style of the balaclava better than petite knits, I would have gone with them and I didn't. So I went ahead and I got the pattern from petite knits and I wrote and I knitted up, but it was a frustrating endeavor because of the way the pattern was written. It was not clear. Now I do love the finished project and Jimmy loves it too. And I was enjoyable to knit, but mainly because it was knit in Fisherman's Rib. And it's been so long since I've knit anything in Fisherman's Rib. And I forgot how much I love that stitch pattern. It is a joy to knit. And it is a, a joy to feel as, as from the, as, uh, to feel it as a finished product or even as you're, as you're knitting along and feeling your, the rows before. It is so squishy, so cuddly. I love it so much. Um, I want a cardigan for myself in Fisherman's Rib and that 
I will be on the lookout for. I have an inkling of somebody who has written a couple patterns in Fisherman's Rib um, cardigans, but she pairs pretty much all of her patterns. I can't remember her name. She's she's also a, um, a Danish, uh, I think she's Danish, maybe? Hmm. This She's a YouTube podcaster. Um, I've forgotten her name all of a sudden, but I really, really enjoy her. She's got such a bubbly personality. And she just had a baby, so she hasn't been publishing anything on YouTube for the last minute. But she does a lot of cardigans. But pretty much all of her designs is paired with mohair. And I really dislike mohair. And I know I can pair it with something else, but I'm trying really hard not to go out and buy yarn. And I just don't know how to create the same kind of um, thickness in my knitting. Uh, so... Um, I guess essentially if she says it's, she pairs it a DK weight yarn with a strand of mohair, maybe I should just size it up to a worsted weight. Maybe I should just do a swatch. I don't know. Maybe I should just give it a try. But in my head, I've just had this block of how to accomplish one of her cardigans without the mohair. <laughs> so anyway, but Fisherman's Rib, I absolutely love it. Jimmy looks so adorable in it. I, I just enjoy him so much in it. Um, I knit this using U.S. size 4 needles. Um, I thought there was another needle I used as well. I swear I went down to a 4 for the ribbing around the face and the neck. But I don't think that calls for it in the pattern. I think I just did that on my own. Now, I knit... This, the 2T size in this one, according to Petite Knit, and I guess this is an example of how small Jimmy is because this thing is humongous on him. And I did get gauge. So he'll be wearing this for, I don't know. He Honestly, he probably could wear this until he was seven, probably. So I'll get a lot of lo love out of it. Speaking of love, I knit this using the Lion Brand Pound of Love in the colorway 113 Red. And I used about 90 grams, maybe 200 yards total. I'm guessing here because uh, I didn't weigh it out. But the pound of love, <laughs> I swear, this, this one skein just keeps giving and giving and giving. <laughs> because you might remember that I also knit up Jimmy's Christmas No, I crocheted up Jimmy's Christmas sweater in this. It was the Burnside cardigan, and I think I might have used 357 yards, and I, and then this one, so I've probably used about, actually with other projects that I've done and some things that I've scrapped, I've probably used about 600 yards of this Pound of Love, and I swear, it doesn't even look half used. I mean, it's amazing. But Jimmy does wear this on our walks, regardless of the temperature, because it is also airy, and so air does get in there and but he has such fine fine white white blonde hair just like me that it do, that it does nothing to keep his head warm so he always has something on uh, then on to some more quote-unquote charity knitting or compassionate knitting I crocheted up two hearts uh, I'm calling them 3d hearts I didn't use a pattern for this but I just kind of figured it out. Uh, again, using the Lion Brown Pound of Love 
I think I probably used 20 yards on that. And then I also used Red Heart Super Saver Solids in the Dark Orchid colorway. I crocheted up two of these and I gave these to two of my co-workers um, when I saw them because I just kind of felt that they might be struggling a bit. And so I had no one in mind when I crocheted these up, but I just put them in my coat pocket and I just said to myself, when I find the right person for them, then that's it. Just so happened that the next day after I finished on my, was down at the office and I was talking to a couple co-workers and I just felt prompted that to give them these. And they were kind of flabbergasted because I mean, hello, <laughs> your boss. Oh, by the way, I'm also the practice manager. So in essence, I'm their supervisor uh, is giving you a heart. <laughs> One of which is red, the other is purple. <laughs> it's a little awkward, but I kind of couched it in the term of, hey, I guess kind of thought that maybe you guys could use this. You could give it to your partner for Valentine's Day. You could keep it for yourself, or you could use it as a therapy tool in your office, whatever you want. But, you know, this is just something, you know, I made up, and I just was waiting to find the right person to give it to, and you guys seem to be the person that they were meant for. And after I said that little spiel, they were like, oh, okay. Especially after I said they could use it as a, a tool in their therapy sessions. <laughs> they, they were way more on board with it then. But uh, these are 3D. Uh, they are stuffed with some polyfill. They're nice and squishy. And in essence, they're kind of like a stress ball. They're really wonderful in that regard. And one of my coworkers even mentioned that, just how wonderful it was to just kind of squish them in their hands and stuff. And I said, yes, beautiful. It's exactly what I was thinking of, that they would give somebody comfort. And the last charity type thing I gave was something that I knit up a few years ago. Let me see if I can't find it on my projects page here. Let me see. So I didn't knit it during the month of January. I knit this actually January 10th, 2022, and I finished them January 12th, 2022. So a year ago. No, two years ago. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And these are the off-the-cuff mitts that I knit using Zebra Yarns Merino Nylon Fingering in the colorway pink and white. Um, and she gifted that to me as a present. And I and it came with, it was a sock set, and it came with a kind of um, a magenta-y purple uh, mini skein. So I used that as the cuffs and uh, on the top and the bottom and on the thumb. And then I also used Fiber Spate's Kid Mohair Lace in a peachy color. No, not a peachy, a pinky color that I paired with it. And because I was trying at that time to experiment to see if there was any way I could use mohair in my knitting life and be okay with it. And actually, it turns out that as far as gloves go or, or fingerless mitts go, they're perfect. They kept my hands super warm. They didn't itch. Um, and I didn't feel like I was suffocating in it. So in that regard, I think I can use mohair. I don't think I can use it as a hat or in a shawl or I know I can't use it in a sweater. But fingerless mitts, I could use it in. Well, I during the time when we were at sub-zero temperatures, um, I went to our local gas station, our corner gas station, for some, a fountain soda because I was feeling unwell and I needed something to wet my whistle. And 
the girl at the counter was in a short sleeve shirt, which was her uniform, and she was just freezing because of course the counter is right by the doors and of course the doors are opening and shutting constantly. So this negative 20 degree weather is just blowing in at her constantly and she was just shivering the poor thing. And um, I was head to toe in, well, besides for my coat, I was head to toe in hand knits and shawls and things. And she was ooing and aahing over all of them. And, you know, at, right at the moment when she was saying something about my shawl, she shivered again and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I took off my gloves and I said, here, please wear these. I, you know, uh, it sounds like you would really cherish them and I want them to, I want them to keep somebody warm this winter. And so she was really touched. She couldn't, she, at first she couldn't talk. And then she just kept on talking, uh, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And why are you being so kind to me? You don't even know me. And, you know, I had a conversation, a short conversation with her about, you know, having compassion and, and, um, community love for other people does not mean that I have to know you in order to care for you. I can care for you because you're my neighbor in essence. You work in my neighborhood. You are my neighbor. And in that regard, I care for you, right? Or you're a member of my community and I don't want to see you struggling. And maybe that's a selfish thing on my part that I don't want to see people struggling. But if it also motivates me to do something good and to be selfless in some fashion, then I am okay with with that feeling of of, of um, the reasoning behind that. So that was the last thing I, I did for, um, my quote unquote charity knitting. But the last thing that I finished was actually today. I finished my healing socks. Now this is my own sock recipe. I started this back on May 19th, 2022. So two, the no, four days before Jimmy was born. I started these when I was in the hospital with him and uh, waiting to have him and I was just looking for something comforting to knit and I th I swear I just like asked Mr. Radio to grab some self-striping yarn or something I'm not even sure he uh, I had I know I had given him charge to bring me some yarn and some needles <laughs> and I have no memory if we FaceTime actually Mr. Radio's right here uh, Mr. Radio do you remember when I was in the hospital waiting to have Jimmy and I asked you to bring me some some yarn and and needles so I could have some projects on the go? Do you remember that? How I have you had you rummage around in the house for stuff so I could knit in the hospital? Yeah, I think so. Do you uh, do you remember this yarn, these socks here? It's right here also. Where actually where are they? Where'd they go? I had them right here. Oh, they're over on the on the bookshelf there. Because I know I hadn't started these before I got in the hospital. You brought, because my hospital stay was unexpected. So mm -hmm. you brought this to me. Did I give you any instruction or did you just pick, grab what came to hand? I think you told me to bring certain bags. I also remember you told me to bring you Taco Bell. Yeah, Taco Bell was very important at that time because they had just re uh, released the Mexican pizza and that was very important to me and the hospital food was not good no it wasn't but regardless of that I thank you for that because um, these are beautiful these are nitpicks Felici self-striping socks in the colorway game over now today is February 11th it is the day of the Super Bowl game over <laughs> 
the football season is now over and I finished these today. I was actually finishing the toe and Kitchenering the la the toe on this while we were watching the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you haven't watched it, you, well, if, if unless you're under a rock, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs won. So there's that. But I finished these. I have not been able to knit on socks in the past almost two years because soon after I had Jimmy, my first thumb, you guys know the whole drama story. I don't have to go into it. I had mommy thumbs in both my hands for the longest time and I was in occupational therapy and I, yeah, I was pretty crippled for quite a while and it was extremely painful even to pick up my son for quite a few months, honestly. Almost a year, actually, I think. Um, but that meant that I couldn't knit on socks, which meant that I couldn't knit on the socks that I started when I was in the hospital. But I found these when I was going through my, my whips the other day. And I thought to myself, this is so close to being finished. I need to find out if I can knit on socks again. I am going to pick these up and see. And I could. It's it's wonderful. I knit these. Now, I knit these on U.S. size zeros or two millimeter needles. And I thought that that would be really hard for me. I think it would be hard for me if I knit these straight for, I don't know, a couple hours. But I knit on them off and on today. I knit on them during church for about 20 minutes and then I'm at home during the game for probably an hour and they were done. So it never once hurt my hands. So I'm feeling really encouraged. I've got a couple other socks on the needles, I think three, that I really would love to have finished. Um, and so I'm, I'm encouraged to go and look at those again as well. So those socks took me over 20 months to, to knit. <laughs> so there you go. On the couch. So please forgive any background noises you hear. Mr. Radio is making his lunch for work tomorrow. So there might be a, a few noises in the background. But on currently on my needles, so on the couch, I have my granny, my scrappy granny sweater by Emily Marie Davies. And you can find this pattern on Ravelry for $6.50. Now the first iteration of this, I cast this on. This is crocheted. I cast this on on January 1st and I am using my beloved Charming You, my advent from this year uh, and I've made them all into magic cakes and I spent hours and hours making them into magic cakes and I love it so much and I cast this on and I just went gangbusters over it. I just was crocheting, crocheting, crocheting for days and days and days and not really even contemplating how it would look on me. But then I, after I separated for the sleeves, I started trying it on and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so ugly on me. Holy crap, I hate it. But it wasn't the yarn and it wasn't necessarily the pattern stitch, which I'm using the granny stitch to, uh, to, to crochet this up. It was the fact that the pattern had so much 
extra fabric in the back and so much extra fabric on the sleeves that at one time I looked like I was hunched back, a quarterback, and like more, more chubby than I thought. And so I ripped back to underneath the bust and I thought, okay, well, I'll just decrease like I would for bust starts and knitting. That created a whole new set of problems that was disgusting because I'd never tried to alter a crochet pattern before and I'd never tried to decrease in, um, in a sweater pattern for a crochet pattern before. Uh, it was really bad. It was really bad. But I persevered and I got to the very end, to the waist, to exactly the length that I wanted. And I was about to cast off. When I looked at it one more, I tried it on one more time, and I was just like, I just can't. I cannot cast this off. I will never, ever wear it the way it is. I just cannot. So then I started contemplating. Do I rip back to where I separated for the sleeves again and rework it there? And I was thinking, 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 and I was just like, nope. I just, nope. It's just not going to work. So I recast on. You, uh, okay, well, there was also problems with the neckline because it was like almost falling off my shoulders. It was so wide. So I Frankensteined this pattern a ridiculous amount. It's almost not even the same pattern. Now, some of the numbers I used, and I did use the granny stitch um, that she, uh, you know, obviously the granny stitch is not a proprietary stitch, but I did use that. Um, so it's it's a play on the granny scrappy granny sweater but it is not the scrappy granny sweater that you would purchase if you wouldn't purchase this now the pattern itself is actually pretty well written as far as it goes however I, I, oh no not no however um and also when i look at all the projects that everybody else has made i do not see a single other person who had the same problems as i did and I don't see a single other person who was unhappy with it like I was. I think that I am so oddly shaped, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. I am a unique individual. My body shape is unique, and it has my body has been through the ringer. I have scars everywhere. I am kind of hodgepodge together. It's just, you know, my, my body is, is different. And so I think that it just because of the nature of the granny stitch, it was one of the reasons that it wasn't sitting right on me, but also the nature of the way that the pattern itself is meant to look on somebody, it did not align with what looks good on me. So I've, you know, Frankenstein the pattern and I am pretty much rewritten it for my specifications. I've tried it on multiple times in a day over yeah and over and over and over again so technically I kind of want to say that I finished one gra gra scrappy granny sweater in January and now I'm I've restarted a second granny sweater but I'm using the same yards I'm a yarn I'm ripping out from the I'm literally ripping out the yarn from the old sweater as a, and crocheting it into the new sweater, right? So I'm, I, it's like, it's not in a cake anymore. I'm just ripping it out of the old sweater and putting it into the new one. And I am so much happier now. It looks so good. 
I am at the, I've I've knit the entire yoke. The neckline looks gorgeous. It's ex it's laying exactly the way I want it to. Even with the rest of the weight of the sweater, how it's going to be, the neckline will not grow to the point that I will not like it anymore. And then also, I knit the arm. I crocheted the arms to my proportions, and they fit beautifully. And I'm doing, and I figured out, I've researched and researched and researched how to design a crochet sweater. And so a, I researched out how to, how to, how do you calculate in when to do the increases and how often, especially in, in a circular yoke sweater. The problem is, is that's pretty much where the, where the suggestions and the people who have designed sweaters in the past ends. And so now I'm at the point where I've increased out to where I think I should be for the bust. And to this point, I have knit this sweater with pretty much zero ease or negative ease. But now I'm at the point where I want at least an inch to two inches of positive ease, but I also don't want to increase out to the tips of my, you know, larger chest and then just crochet down. So it'll come out, it's cause I don't, cause then it will just look fat. I will just look fatter than I actually am and it'll be way too big. So I'm trying to figure out how to do the decreases. I think I have finally figured out what I want to do. It's a very gentle, subtle decrease. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to move forward with it, but I am rather nervous about it. So I haven't touched it in about three days because I am so tired of crocheting this. And then, cause I'm experimenting as I go. So I will try something and it, and if I don't like how it is, or if it's not working, then I'll rip it back out again and try again, try, try again. And I stay up really late at night trying to do this and now all this kind of stuff. And I get very obsessive and then, uh, and then I will, and I will crochet on it for days at a time, late into the night, and then I'll just stop altogether. It's every time I get to a new kind of hurdle in the pattern of trying to figure something out, I just stop. And I think I'm okay with that because things need to percolate a little bit. Um, so I think I'm good to go. Oh, but the thing I was going to say is that this yarn by Charming You has been a champion. It just keeps on going keeps on keeps on staying strong it's not looking weakened in any way it's not looking overused and overworked in any way it's not getting fuzzy it's not pilling nothing i love it so much i highly recommend and this is one of her more luxurious yarns and so it's uh it's her sock base with sparkle in it, Stellina in it. So I can't remember the base name and it's not actually in the minis that she sent. So I'm not really sure what it's called, uh, but I am working on that. Uh, also on the couch sort of was my muscle burr hat. I cast this on for Mr. Radio in the month of January. I was using some Chopal wool uh, that I had in my stash. It's fingering weight, but it's an extremely light fingering weight. I didn't like the fabric I was getting and I didn't want to keep going down in needle size. And then also I just kind of wondered if the wool was too rustic for Mr. Radio's head. So I frogged that. 
and I've actually found another skein of yarn in my stash by Malabrigo in their single ply fingering weight in a like an I think it might even be called azure blue and so I'm going to recast on the muscle burrow when I have the headspace and everything to do so to cake up the yarn and to put it on my needles I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to recast it on for Mr. Radio. So while that hat is technically frogged, I did start it and I have uh, strong intentions to cast on the new one. So that is something that I'm going to do. Another knit project that I cast on uh, in uh, actually February 1st is the Beekeeper's Quilt by Tiny Owl Knits. Actually, I want to go and see about this one because this is an old pattern as far as Ravelry goes and actually whoops I went too far this pattern was really super popular when it came out and it came out yep July 2011 and it was very popular then um, I believe this pattern was free when it came out and I got it I snapped it up when it came out now it is on Ravelry for five dollars and fifty cents this is not a average blanket this is a blanket that you knit tiny hexagons and you stuff them with polyfill and then you attach them in. Um, you can do it in the way that Tiny Owl does, which is just where the corners of the hexagons are. You attach the, the other hexes to each other. Or you can do it how some other people have done it, but I'm going to do it the way Tiny Owl does it. I haven't seen anybody knit um, this project up in a long time, but there are over 10,000 projects in Ravelry uh, right now. Actually, 10,708 projects, and it is in 8,462 queues. <laughs> Pretty freaking cool. So think about that. Like, if... Okay, so let's just say that 5,000 of them have actually purchased it at the 550 mark. Think about what that then means. And this is just one of her many patterns. And she's a very talented uh, designer, but I don't think she's designed anything lately. Um, this is knit out of fingering weight on U.S. size 4 needles. You knit, the, uh, you knit it in a very interesting fashion. I'm not going to give away the sauce. Uh, and, but the fashion in which you knit it is a tiny bit frustrating or hmm, awkward, I think is more the word. So I have only uh, knit three of the hexagons. Now, I am not knitting a quilt. I'm not. What I actually thought this would be wonderful for, because I have always wanted, since the moment this pattern came out, I have wanted to knit this pattern but I struggle with the commitment of an entire blanket. And then I was sitting in my office chair one day, which I'm sitting in right now, by the way, and I was like, my butt hurts. <laughs> <coughs> I am not comfortable. So I went on Amazon and I was looking at all the, the cushions, the butt cushions on Amazon, and they're like $70. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am not going to spend $70 on a butt cushion. So then... I don't know how I made this leap, but somehow my brain made the leap to the beekeeper's quilt. And I just thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make myself a butt cushion out of hex tiny little hexagons. Now, these hexagons, I, I'm going to guesstimate that each hexagon is about two inches wide. So 
from any diameter that you put it at. So I'm not going to need a lot. I'm thinking I need maybe 20 and I've got 30 done. I mean, three done. So we'll see how this goes, but I'm, I'm pretty excited by it. Uh, I'm just using scraps from my stash. Don't know the colorways, just using them. So it's, it's great. Um, finished one of the, one of the hexes today, in fact. The next thing I cast on is the uh, Scrappy Pillows by Dana Ray Makes. Now, I adore Dana Ray Makes. I, I love her as a human being, even though we've only communicated via Instagram, but I love her presence on Instagram is always very soothing and, and lovely to me, very Huga and very like, just, I always want to be in her world when she posts. Um, and I know she's very thoughtful and intentional in how she posts and when she posts and things like that. So, um, and I love her patterns and I saw, I, so another fill in the gap thing that I want in my home is occasional pillows. Actually, okay, here's what I want in my home. I want Huga to come to life in my home. And to me, Huga means soft textured items scattered throughout my home that at any moment you can cuddle up with, whether that be blankets, pillows, or, you know, two hand items, um, shawls, sweaters, but then also things that you might use in your kitchen or in the bathroom or anywhere you are in the house. I want I desire to have that be a thing. And I want them on my wall as well. I have plans to make some crocheted or knitted artwork for my wall at some point. And I've got some ideas going in my head. I'm not sure I'm going to get to that this year. But one thing I can get to is pillows. And I hate the pillows that we have on our couch right now. We just got them cheaply at Walmart. You can't wash them. If you wash them, they will die. And I do not like having things in my home that I cannot wash. So I cast on with, the, with a, what I know will be my leftovers from my Scrappy Granny Tea in my Charming You socks um, from my advent calendar. I knew that I would have one cake left over. And so I cast on the crocheted version because she has a crocheted version and she has a knit version of the scrappy pillows. The crocheted version is in essence a pretty large granny square and I am working up and I went to Joanne's the other day and I picked up two pillows that I made sure that I could go into the wash or be hand washed at least and because once I get this onto the pillows, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to take it off. So it at least has to be hand, be able to be hand washed. So I've got two of them. And my plan is, is that I'm going to crochet one and knit one from this pattern. This is most likely going to be a year-long project. However, I will say, actually it will be a year-long project because I got pretty large-sized pillows. And that's, sorry for the crinkle. Currently, oh, I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm almost halfway done, I think, because the granny square right now is almost the size of the pillow itself. So I would say I'm about 40% done crocheting this. And I cast this on, when did I cast this on actually? 
Where is my notes for that? Hmm. Where did I put my notes? Oh, here they are. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm making all kinds of notes. I cast this on on the 4th of February. So we'll see how far I get. Um, wouldn't be surprised if I get this done before the end of February. Now, the knitted one, I'm not sure how fast that one will go. I don't think that one will hold my attention as well. Actually, it might, because my intention is for the other one is that I will use the Advent from last year, which is also from her Sparkle Base, and I will knit that one, the mini skeins, into, into the knit pattern of that. So that's my plans there. And then I picked up, on my kick of finishing up some old whips, I picked up my Snowberry uh, Wrap and Cowl by Shannon Cook. And this pattern is on Ravelry for $7. And I cast this on on January 25th, 2021. And the yarn was a gift to me. It's by a local dyer. You can't get it online that I know of. It's called Alaska Jude's Yarn. She, To my knowledge, she only sells her yarn in uh, local yarn shops around Alaska. And I have the worsted weight. It's an 8-ounce cake of 560 yards in superwash wool. I do not have a colorway. That is all the information I have. But the colorway is a variegated... <sighs> I wouldn't call it teal, but I wouldn't call it green either. It's got some greens and blues and whites in there. And Shannon Cook's pattern has panels of bobbles and lace and garter stitch and it is squishy and beautiful and wonderful and it is meeting my desire to have bobbles in my life without being a silly widgeon and thinking that I can get that I should or could wear a knitted sweater <laughs> with bobbles all over it <laughs> and this is being housed in a beloved bag of mine this bag was made for me by my knitting bestie, Stephanie, um, Farmstead Knits, for my 40th birthday. And so, which actually, uh, yeah, that was 2021. That was my 40th birthday. So I cast this on the day after my 40th birthday. And here we are two years later. I will get it done. I have very high intentions of getting it done. So I'm excited about that. Roaming and foraging. In the modern hustle and bustle of life, self-care has become more than just a buzzword. Honestly, it's a necessity for preserving our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. Yet, in our quest for productivity and success, we often overlook the vital importance of nurturing our souls amidst the chaos. So, Let's dive deeper into the art of self-care, exploring how it's essential to recharge your personal energies so that you can continue doing your work and caring for your loved ones. Self-care isn't merely about indulging in spa days or treating yourself to lavish experiences, although those, those can be wonderful. It's more about cultivating a compassionate relationship with oneself 
and prioritizing activities that rejuvenate and nourish our inner being. In essence, self-care is a radical act of self-love and self-preservation in a world that constantly demands our attention and energy. In the midst of our busy schedules, finding time for self-care can seem like an impossible feat. However, it's precisely during our busy schedules, those hectic times, that self-care becomes even more crucial. So I came up with a list of, let's see, seven things that, seven things that can help you in your pursuit. And some of these are novel suggestions about how to make time for self-care, okay? And especially within our jam-packed calendars. So the first one is redefining what self-care means to you. Instead of viewing self-care as a luxury reserved for weekends or vacations, Reorient that into integrating small moments of self-care into your daily routine. So whether it's savoring a cup of tea in the morning or taking a short walk during your lunch break, indulging in a few minutes of deep breathing before bed, uh, setting a timer and knitting or crocheting on a beloved project, reading a book, taking a long bath or a shower, these things can be micro moments of rejuvenation within your hectic schedule. Number two, set boundaries. Learn to say no to commitments and activities that drain your energy and leave you feeling depleted. Establishing healthy boundaries is a crucial aspect of self-care, allowing you to protect your time and prioritize activities that align with your values and well-being. And herein lies another way that we might need to reorient our thought process or reframe our thought process. Instead of feeling guilty about saying no, when you decide to set that boundary of saying no, first off, you owe no one an explanation as to why you're saying no. But second, internally, Allow yourself a moment to reflect on why you're saying no. Because if it, if it meets the guidelines that I've just said, where it um, depletes your energy rather than revitalizing you, then that is a very good marker for a reason to say no. Okay, Prioritizing your time. I didn't put this on my list, so maybe I got eight things actually. Redefining how we think about time and where we put our energies. I hear a lot of people say, and I've been guilty of this myself, of saying, I just don't have time. When the real message that we, we are telling ourselves that we don't have time. But the real crux of it is, is the way we choose to use our time and put our energies into. If we choose to sit down and watch Netflix for four hours and we classify that under self-care, then that was time well used. If we sit down and watch Netflix for four hours and leave that time feeling guilty and depleted and, and anxious about upcoming projects that are on our minds, 
that you feel like maybe you could have been working on, I hate the word should, but that word might cross your mind, then that was not an act of self-care. So uh, rethinking how we're choosing to use our time rather than saying we don't have time. Okay. Number three, practice mindful presence. Incorporate mindfulness into your daily life by being fully present in the moment. Whether you're washing dishes, going for a run, or spending time with loved ones, strive to immerse yourself fully in the experience, savoring the simple joys of life. Now, I wrote this paragraph kind of tongue-in-cheek because I actually oftentimes get frustrated when we talk about being fully present. In actuality, one is never fully present. There's always some thoughts that are going through your head or your future thinking about what Uh, thinking about your future things that you need to get done. But you can take a moment. For instance, my first example, washing dishes. You can take a moment to just notice how that soapy water feels running through your fingers, the brush or the washcloth in your hand, the clink of the dishes in your ears, the smell of the soap of maybe last night's dinner, you know, not smelling so great, filling your nostrils. You can use your senses to be as present as possible in a moment. And so that's what I meant about being um, mindful in your present moment. Number four, embrace imperfection. Let go of the pressure to be perfect in every aspect of your life. Embrace your flaws and imperfections with compassion and self-acceptance. Remember that self-care isn't about striving for perfection. It's about honoring your humanity and embracing your authentic self. So embrace that drop stitch that you had to go back and pick up. Or that pulled stitch. You know, today I wore my Tia top pretty much all day. And I've worn that quite often since I finished it for my birthday this last summer. And I was noticing today that the yarn is pilling a little bit and that I have multiple pulled stitches uh, so that the fat was like I've got these <laughs> these funny little lumps here and there where the where Jimmy or my dog has snagged my sweater and the stitches have pulled out and been a little mishappen. Uh, I also noticed that my the ends and at the bottom are unraveling. and when I first noticed that this morning I was frustrated and I almost put it away and I didn't wear it but then I was looking at it again and I was thinking to myself about all the memories that these pulled stitches represent of Jimmy giggling and climbing all over me of my dog clamoring in my lap for a cuddle and I just thought to myself no I'm not even going to fix them I'm just going to wear this today and I'm going to enjoy what this represents to me. So that's what I mean about embracing imperfections. Like there are, there's meaning behind each missed stitch or each misplaced word or each stumble in your life. Number five, nourish your passions. So carve out time to pursue activities that bring you joy and fulfillment, whether it's painting, gardening, writing, playing music, or knitting. 
Prioritizing your hobbies and interests that nourish your soul and ignite your creativity. I really feel strongly about this one. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a podcast about knitting and crocheting and creative life. (laughs) But I feel even more strongly about things right now. You would think that the idea of making useful things in my home might actually squash my creativity or bog me down. But it's actually been very freeing. I am not concerned about what's popular right now. I'm concerned about what is sparking joy, if you will, if I can borrow that term. And these things are bringing me joy and getting me excited about my creative endeavors in a way that I feel like I haven't been in a while. Even though I've always been excited about knitting or crocheting for Jimmy, but in in my personal life, my knitting and crocheting, I think I was falling into the trap of keeping up with the Joneses. And that wasn't bringing me joy. But I I have figured out what, where, where, um, where my passion lies right now, and I'm going for it, and it's wonderful. And the next one, number six, seek support. So don't hesitate to reach out for support when you need it, whether it's confiding in a trusted friend, seeking guidance from a therapist, hint, hint, (laughs) or joining a support group. Surround yourself with people who uplift and empower you on your journey towards self-care. I can't emphasize that enough. Don't try to be an island, please. You can't be an island in this world. I mean, if COVID has taught us nothing else, it's that we must have connection. Our very souls crave it. So please, please seek seek support and connection, however you might find that in your life. And lastly, practice self-compassion. Be gentle and kind to yourself, especially during challenging times. Cultivate a practice of self-compassion by offering yourself the same warmth and understanding that you would extend to a dear friend facing difficulties. In essence, self-care is deeply personal. It's a journey of self-discovery and self-compassion. It's about acknowledging our inherent worthiness and prioritizing our well-being amidst life's myriad demands. By making time for self-care, we not only replenish our personal energies, but also cultivate the resilience and strength needed to navigate life's inevitable challenges with grace and authenticity. So as you embark, my friends, on your journey of self-care, Remember to be gentle with yourself. Embrace the ebb and flow of life and cherish the moments of stillness and reflection amidst the chaos. For in nurturing our souls, we discover the transformative power of self-love and reclaim our inherent capacity for joy, resilience, and inner peace. Homesteading. So in this segment today, I thought I would talk about some different ideas that I've strived to create um, or 
will connect myself more fully with self-care. And I feel like this very much aligns with yoga and comfort and creating that space within our lives, not just within our homes. So the following are just some ideas that I've had. So one thing that I've done in my home is I've created my, well, I, up to this point, actually, until I actually created, uh, I started really rethinking and writing this episode, um, I'd called it my crafting corner, but now I'm calling it my self-care corner. And so I wrote a little bit about what, what I've done and some ideas I had that maybe I could invigorate that, that space some more. So a self-care corner is, in essence, creating a self-care corner in your home. Um, It's a wonderful way to cultivate a space dedicated to your well-being and relaxation. And so I created this guide about how to create one. So the the first one is is to choose the right space. So select a quiet and peaceful corner in your home where you feel comfortable and relaxed. This could be a spare room, a cozy nook in your bedroom, or even a corner of your living room. And that's what I chose, the last one. Um, I live in a very small home. We're less than 700 square feet. We've only got two bedrooms. We're jam-packed in here, but there's a little corner in my living room. I've got this this rocking chair that's also a recliner from my uncle. And I've got a coffee table, not a coffee table, a side table with a lamp. And we're going to talk about lighting in a minute right next to it. And it's the place that I go oftentimes when I am crocheting or relaxing my husband loves this space too so it's kind of become the household self-care corner so we often find ourselves gravitating to this area another thing is to declutter and clean so clear out any clutter from the chosen space and give it a thorough cleaning a tidy environment promotes a sense of calm and tranquility I do this daily uh, because I have a toddler (laughs) Now, is my space perfect? No, I'm looking at my coffee ta- my side table right now and there's crayon markings on it from where Jimmy came. Um, the, there's a couple spare needles that I forgot to put away. And, you know, it's, it's a little cluttered at the moment because I'm at the end of the day and we've lived a very full life today. So, but each day I go through and I pick it up a little bit and I sanitize it. I sanitize the house constantly. So, you know, that's just part of my routine. Define your theme or mood is number three. So determine the ambiance you want to create in your self-care corner, whether you prefer a serene and minimalist atmosphere or a cozy and warm vibe. Choose decor and furnishings that reflect your desired mood. Now I say this with a caveat. I don't encourage you to go out and buy new things, like go on a spending spree so that you can create this cozy nook. More is that what use what you have and create that vibe within your home. You already have things in your home that is according to your theme or mood in your life. So just extend that same stuff, borrow from other places in your home to create that space in your home. If you do go out and buy things though, don't beat yourself up about it because you know what? It's all a part of your journey and it's a part of your self care journey. Maybe. Going out and spending a little bit on this is a reward for, you know, doing something hard in your life, right? So there is that. 
next, number four is comfortable seating. Invest in a comfortable chair, cushion, or bean bag where you can sit and relax. Consider adding soft blankets and throw pillows for extra coziness. I think that one speaks for itself. Number five, natural elements. Incorporate natural ele elements such as plants, flowers, or a small indoor fountain to bring a sense of serenity and connection with nature to your self-care corner. So I have plants all over my home, so I didn't bring one to put next to me because also Jimmy would get into it or and maybe knock it off. But I, my self-care corner is at the, win the big, huge window that dominates, actually takes up the, my entire, one of my entire walls in my living room. And so at any moment, I can look outside into nature. And so that's how I've incorporated nature into my corner. Uh, number six, soft lighting. So choose soft and warm lighting options such as floor lamps, fairy lights, or candles to create a relaxing ambiance. Avoid harsh overhead lighting that may feel too bright or intense. So in my home, my cozy corner sits at the junction between my dining room and my living room. And my dining room has very bright lighting. My living room has softer lighting, but it's still pretty bright. So I do have a lamp on my table and I oftentimes will turn off all the lights and all in around the house and only have that lamp on unless I'm working on a project in which it's very small stitching and I need the light. Um, I have found that with some of the projects recently that I've been working on with like the, the sweater and stuff, I've been needing brighter lights so that because I'm, I'm figuring things out and so I will have the, an overhead light on then or I even have um, a, a, a rechargeable light that goes around my neck I think Mr. Radio got it to me a few got it for me a few years ago but it's got it goes around my neck and it's got lights on each side of it so I can highlight I can turn on one of them from dim, brighter, and brightest, and have that spotlight what I'm working on, or I can turn on both of them and have it spotlight what I'm working on, working on, and it's below my eyesight, so it's not shining down on me and glaring on me, but also, though, it is highlighting what I need it to highlight, and it doesn't project out into the rest of the room, so I can still have that coziness vibe and warm lighting situation going on, so I really, really love that kind of option as well if you're needing to for more detailed work and close up let's see <laughs> number seven sensory experiences engage your senses by incorporating elements such as soothing essential oils calming music or nature sounds that and tactile materials such as soft fabrics or or textured rugs so i have that in in my home um what I more have right next to my bed, my um, co corner here, is I have one of those wax warmers, and I love that because that also gives off a soft glow. But also, I love the sense uh, that it gives off without having to burn a candle, and so I love that one. But I don't have that on when Jimmy's awake because the the can the wax warmer does get hot to the touch, and I don't want him touching it, so I don't get to use it as often as I would like. Number eight, personal touches. Decorate your self-care corner with personal items that bring you joy and comfort, such as photographs, inspirational quotes, or meaningful artwork. 
whatever that looks like to you. You could even have a photo album right next to you. I think that's a great idea. In fact, that might be something I might incorporate. I've been meaning to create another photo album from, um, from the last couple years. Yeah. Oh, dude, I didn't even think about that. And number nine, mindfulness and relaxation tools. Keep mindfulness tools such as med- meditation cushions, yoga mats, or journals handy so- to support your relaxation and self-reflection practices. So this one I felt was a little pompous in me saying that. Just have a blanket. Just have something that can mm, promote mindfulness. Okay? Whether that is your journal, whether that is something that can activate your senses. Uh, One of my favorite things to do for self-care is, and I'm going to mention it quite a few times in the next few moments, but my sister makes up for me these roll-ons. She puts them in, it's a glass bottle with a, uh, like a metal ball at the end, and she fills it full of an essential oil of her concoctions. Now she's a, I think she's a naturopath, I think, I think. I can't remember if she graduated or if she stopped the program. Anyway, but she is a guru when it comes to um, um, essential oils. And so whenever I just tell her what I'm struggling with or what I feel I need in my life, she'll make me up a concoction. Um, And so um, I've got one that is my favorite scents, which is lavender and orange or citrus, I think. I'm not sure what she put in there. But that's one that always brightens my senses and brightens my mood. So I oftentimes, I have that roll on in multiple places. And I do have one in my corner, my cozy corner. And I will just roll it onto my wrists and then just bring my wrists up to my my nose and smell for a moment. I love that. And Jimmy loves it too. He loves that stuff. Number 10, organizational solutions. So use some things like, be creative. Be, use storage baskets, some shelves, or small cabinets to keep your self-care essentials organized and easily accessible. This will help maintain a clutter-free and inviting space. I do all of that. Well, not the cabinet. I've got my bookshelves across the, across the way from me. But I use baskets all around my home, and especially in my cozy corner. But also my, my side table is actually something I pulled out of a dumpster. <laughs> Mr. Radio is very indulgent and kind of rolls his eyes but still indulges me when I come home from, and I've pulled something out of the dumpster. And this is one of those old like 70s style or probably was made in the 70s two-tiered side table. So it's essentially uh, two shelves and um and there's ways to put things under the top shelf and I've got it full of some of my inspirational books um some writing utensils and things like that but it's tucked away in such a way that Jimmy never thinks about what is under that shelf so I feel very safe and secure in having it under there it's actually an Eddie Bauer wait no not Eddie Bauer that's that's not the wrong one <sighs> I forgot the name of the maker, but it's a very well-made piece of furniture, and I'm very surprised that I found that in the trash. I found quite a few pieces of really nice furniture from the trash, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, number 11, create a ritual. So 
you can establish a daily, a weekly self-care ritual in your corner, whether it's enjoying a cup of tea, practicing meditation, reading a book, or simply taking a few moments to breathe deeply and unwind. And number 12, regular maintenance. Make it a habit to regularly maintain and refresh your self-care corner by tidying up, replacing candles or flowers, and replenishing any supplies or materials as needed. By following these steps, my friends, and infusing your personal style and preferences, you can create a tranquil and nurturing self-care corner where you can retreat, recharge, and prioritize your well-being. Now, some other things that I have in my corner. I've got a, uh, so these are just, uh, just a list, okay? I've got a blanket, my favorite throw pillow comforting long-term project. Um, right now it's my parents' blanket, but I haven't been working on it because my current long-term project is actually my scrappy granny tea. <laughs> uh, a book, a neck warmer, heating pad, music, my journal or a notebook, a candle, but for me it's a wax warmer, a self-care mask or manicure set, slippers, art supplies, tissues, a favorite movie or TV show. I'm just in the living room, so the TV's right there. That's why I said that. A crystal or a worry rock. If you don't know what a worry rock is, I'm not even sh Is that what they call it in Ireland? Blarney stone, maybe? No, I can't remember what they call it. But um, my cousins are Irish. Um, their father is from Ireland, and... Their mother is from here. Um, and in Ireland, they have a tradition of using a stone that they just rub their thumb back and forth on when they're concerned about something or wishing on something. And my cousin gave me one after she came home from visit visiting her aunt in Ireland oh, 30 years ago, like when I was like 10 or 12 years old. I've lost the original worry stone, but I've gained other worry stones along my life's journey. I've actually got one right here where I'm recording. Um, this one is actually a rock that I found in Blaine, Washington. In uh, I don't there I don't know the year, but I must have found it like in 2018 or 17 when I was there. And somebody painted on the word love with a few hearts, a few dots in blue, and then they just on the back they literally wrote Blaine, Washington. And I think they put their initials bfp and i love this stone it's not and they shellacked it as well so i'm not feeling the natural stone when i'm rubbing my finger on it but it does bring me a lot of comfort mainly because this somebody was thoughtful enough to create this and put it out for somebody like me to find when they needed it it's not the most pretty stone it's not a stone that is ergonomically symmetrical in any way but it does have meaning for me and even my even just glancing at it while it's right here on my on my desk um i feel invigorated and in peace from it so i love that so there's my stone um so my worry rock if you will and i've got quite a few of those um then also natural light, and then also a lot of times when I'm in my self-care corner, I go completely offline. I don't, I don't log on to Instagram. I don't get it on my computer, things like that. And that's been a newer thing for me where I've been intentionally going offline. So the next thing that I have in my life is a self-care basket. 
Now, at the moment, I have a self-care box. And I want to encourage you to be creative in this. You can make a basket or like Joann's or Michael's maybe. I'm not sure which. Always have those really pretty decorative boxes. And I think at first they were photo boxes. And then they just kind of, that theme kind of enlarged upon itself. And they made more more decorative boxes in different sizes. And, and I've got quite a few of those um, in de different sizes. And Mr. Radio and I... Mm, probably in 2020 it was during I know it was during COVID but I had to sit down one day and each of us had a box and we filled it with our favorite things that we thought would be of use for us for self-care and we still have those ours are under our bed and stored under there so at any time we want we can reach under there and get them but I also thought it would be really beautiful if my life allowed for this to have a self-care basket where I could just pick up the basket handle and carry it with me and you know be like Little Red Riding Hood and skip through the forest until I found a clearing and sat down and used my self-care um, essentials that I had in my basket. <laughs> but the idea of this is is that you have a self-contained uh, box or basket in which you can grab at any time you need when you're in your home most likely to then utilize self-care because not everybody can have a self-care corner all right like technically my self-care corner is is in the flow of traffic and it's in the midst of my busy life it's not out of the way and so i have had to be very mindful and purposeful in what i've utilized that area for and also be very flexible in the knowledge that my self-care corner is used in the daily running of life right so having a box might or a basket might be more accessible for you. So these are things, I think these are all things that I just actually have in my basket. But you can put whatever suits you in there. I have a book. I have a, a doodle or actually I have a puzzle book in there. But I thought, actually wait, no, I think I traded that out and I have a coloring book in there now. So you can have a doodle book, coloring book, a puzzle book, whatever you want in there. I have a ball of yarn and needles in there, but you could put crochet hook. Um, I was thinking when I put it in there uh, of socks. So that's what I set my self-care box up for. I have a deck of playing cards because I love playing solitaire. Um, cards to write notes to other people on. I've got about five or six of them in there, so I have those ready to go. Because it's always great when you're feeling a little bit down. It's, it's always brings me joy and lifts my spirits up a little bit more when I stop thinking about my woes and start thinking about bringing comfort to somebody else in some way. And that comfort might not, I might not be at that place where I can offer them physical comfort, like go out and see them or invite them to do something, but I could write them a note. So I do that. Uh, let's see here. My, uh, I have another journal or a notebook. I've actually got a couple in that one for different purposes. And I can talk about that sometime if you want. The coloring pens, markers, pencils, um, pamper supplies. I've got a face mask and a foot mask in there and a little bottle of lotion. Put whatever you want as far as pampering supplies goes. Uh, your favorite shelf life snack. I have a Snickers bar in there. So I probably should change that out at some point. Uh, a pair of comfy socks. I have a pair of hand-knit socks in there. 
a calming drink. So I have my favorite warm drink, which is apple cider. I really don't like any other warm drink. Apple cider is the only one I like. And I can't put a can of Mountain Dew in there. Actually, I don't know why I can't, but Diet Mountain Dew, mind you. Affirmation cards. These are all ones that I have meaning to me. I've I, I typed them up, printed them off. I don't think I laminated any of them, but they're just... And then some of them I just hand-wrote on index cards and just put them in there. Uh, crystals or worry rocks. I have both in there. Uh, tissues. A good cry is always a good thing. A list of loved ones to call. Very important. And my all-important essential oil roll-on. Lastly, this is something new for me. Um, uh, actually, this is the whole reason that this came about. I don't even remember exactly why I started thinking about self-care one day, but I did start thinking about it. And I thought to myself, I need something that is in my purse and to hand no matter where I am. And so I started rummaging through the house. I thought at first I would use a makeup bag, and technically I think this is a makeup bag that I found. I think I purchased it from like Burlington or something, and I think the I think my thought process was is that I was going to use it for a notions pouch for projects, but I never have. But I love it because it has the Golden Girls on it in <laughs> in in um, cartoon fashion. I just absolutely love it. Maybe I'll take a picture of it and put it up. But in here, I've started collecting. I'm not done yet. So this is a little bit larger of a makeup pouch. I mean, it's not like the travel size makeup pouch, but it's also not like your at-home makeup pouch. So it's, I think it's about 8 inches by, I think it's a, almost the size of half the sheet of, a sheet of paper. So let's go with 8.5 by 5.5. That seems, that seems fair. So these are the things that I have in my self-care travel kit. And I haven't heard of anybody else doing this. Actually, I, n I didn't really take the time to do much research on this at all. I just kind of came up with it and ran with the, with the notion. So I have a very small notebook in here for ideas, thoughts, whatever I want. It's, it's an old notebook that I've had for a while, but I ripped out the pages I had used. So essentially, it is a new-to-me notebook now. Uh, I have a pen, a crochet hook, and scrap of yarn. I have a small um, leftover thing of yarn in here. I think this is maybe 10 grams, so enough for like a small granny square or a hexi puff or something like that, right? Nothing big, and honestly, my purpose in putting this in here isn't necessarily to be intentional about what I create out of it. It's just so that I have something to do with my hands. If I rip it out afterwards, I rip it out. I don't care. I have some chapstick, but you could put lipstick in it. I've got a pair of headphones, an extremely small bottle of lotion. I think it's a sample lotion thing that I maybe got for free from somewhere. Um, another worry rock or crystal, um, another essential oil roll-on, I've got, an, oh, and the last, uh, I've got a teeny tiny thing of travel tissues in here, did I mention that? No, and it, oh yeah, I did put that on my list on there, and the last thing that I'm going to make and put in here, I've got room for more, but I'm not sure I really need more than what I have in here, because the last thing is that I want to make is a teeny tiny miniature of a knitted something or a crocheted something and I went down a rabbit hole 
on Ravelry. Let me see here if I can find it. I created a, um, hold on, let me find our group. So if you go to the Between Knits and Pearls group, where's my group? There it is. Oh, it's called a bundle. Okay. I've never created a bundle before, by the way. This was my first time doing it. And I called it Tiny Toys. So right now I've got 36 items in there. And I literally just started searching through Ravelry about miniatures of things. And if I found anything crocheted or knitted that I thought was cute or fun, and then hopefully free. There are a few things in here that have... A, cost a little bit of money like there's there's a couple things in here that cost like a dollar to buy the pattern then I put it in so that was pretty much my parameters but I've got things like knitted mushrooms knitted acorns crocheted or knitted bears knitted hearts a couple gnomes um, a little tooth that I thought was so cute a couple different designs on sloths uh, three crocheted ones and one knitted one some knitted ducks a little mini snowman that looks kind of like an egg let me see what else do I have oh I have a knitted miniature house I've got those little mini Christmas stockings I've got like three of those little hats I've got a little tiny dog bone pattern in here and a couple knitted rabbit patterns oh and a tiny little donut pattern in here and my intention is is that I'm going to pick one of these. I think I'm going to pick the Knitted Miniature House. I'm not positive because I also really, really kind of want to do either the tooth or the one of the mushrooms. But I'm going to knit one of these up. Oh, no, sorry. I was thinking the mini snowman that looks like a little... Oh, no, mini pookies. That's what that's called. The one that looks like an egg but has little ears on it. I was either thinking the mini pookies or the Knitted Miniature House... You know, something like that. Something super simple. And I'm going to knit it up and put it in here as a little bit of a comfort or an emotional support item to have in there. And that's going to do it for me as far as my uh, self-care travel kit. So there's three ideas. We've gone from big to medium to small ideas on how you can incorporate self-care into your daily life. Ways you can create that um, intentionally put things um, in your life to be used for self-care throughout your day. And so that, my friends, is my take on um, homesteading for today. Around the campfire. So this episode has gone pretty long because there's been so much that I've needed or wanted to talk to you guys about and it's been a while since I've done an episode and so I had a lot to talk about um as far as around the campfire I honestly have a lot to talk about (laughs) I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as possible one of the reasons why I haven't been able to uh, record an episode is because I got very very sick at the beginning of January very sick And at first I thought it was just the flu. My husband got sick at the same time. Actually, Jimmy got sick first and then we got it the next, uh, a couple days later. Um, and I thought it was the flu and my husband definitely had the flu. Uh, and we thought maybe Jimmy had had the flu too, but I had actually been vaccinated with the flu. So, and I was presenting with a little bit different symptoms than them. 
So I did a telehealth visit, and the lady said that I had walking pneumonia, so she put me on a bunch of meds, one of which was steroids, which made my diabetes go incredibly haywire, like off the charts, and I was like manic feeling because it was, I was so scared, I was so scared. But even with the medication, I wasn't getting better, and I was coughing, and I couldn't breathe, and... Then one Friday, a couple weeks ago, it got to the point where I had a coughing fit and I couldn't breathe at all. And I just was panicking. And um, so I, I FaceTimed my sister because I couldn't talk. And then she called my husband and he, at work uh, and told him the situation. And they rushed over to the house. My sister took my, my son and Mr. Radio took me to the emergency room. And... Apparently I had full-blown pneumonia at one time, or maybe, but I didn't anymore. And I don't understand this, how I got bronchitis after. Because my, my knowledge says I ha that you get bronchitis first. So anyway, the doctor was pretty mad that, you know, I was only coming to the ER now and stuff. And I was like, whatever. Anyway, they got my oxygen back up, oxygen levels back up, and I was free to go home. They put me on very different medication this time. I was on three different um, antibiotics because I had more wrong with me than just the bronchitis um, at that point. And so I was on three different antibiotics and then Robitussin with coding. And so I, so my husband made sure and got the medication for me and we started me on the medication that night and pretty much I slept that entire weekend. And my husband just took care of Jimmy and I think it was a wake-up call for my husband because I just kept on doing things. Like, I, w I didn't stay in bed. I just I kept on getting up and taking care of the family and, going, and doing my work and seeing my clients. At one point, I actually could not even, I didn't even have a voice at one point. And so one of the ways that I saw my clients is my coworker, Mary, she actually, with my client's permission, um, came in and 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 led the session I was still there I was just commenting in the chats since I couldn't talk I had no voice um I was so depleted and so sick and my my diet my my insulin numbers were still off the charts it was so scary and I lost 10 pounds in one week and I just I, I was so scared and I think it scared my husband really really bad and so we've been very conscious of taking care of ourselves and being as a family it seems about once a year now I get a pretty life-threatening scare and this time I actually did think I was going to die that day I really I really did think that and it was a very scary thought and I was telling my husband you know please take care of Jimmy and of course that made Mr. Radio pretty upset as well and so I'm, I now regret that I said anything like that because um, it turns out I didn't need to worry him in that way. But at the time, I was panicking and I was so sick. So, yeah, we've been very much, very much holding each other close. And there's been other reasons why we've been holding each other close. Because, like I said, Jimmy got super sick at the beginning of January. Had 103 fever for a couple days. Now... His OB, no, not OB, <laughs> physician, pediatric, pe pediatrician, there we go, 
Um, we called the nurse's hotline, and the nurse was concerned enough that she actually called his pediatrician at home. She gave us some recommendations, and so instead of taking him to the ER, we, we followed her recommendations, and we were able to break the fever doing that. Um, but, you know, before we had called her, I'd, we'd done multiple cooling baths, and we had him sleeping with us, and or I was sleeping out on the couch with him, and so on and so forth, and poor guy. It was so bad. But we just did a lot of cuddling and he was coughing a lot too. I wonder if he didn't have a little bit. Can babies get pneumonia? I don't know. It was, it was like whooping cough kind of a thing, like just horrible body wrenching coughs and just, oh, my heart ached so badly for him. But he was finally on the mend and we were doing better. And, um, it, this was literally the day I got sick as well, but Jimmy was sitting at the kitchen table in one of our chairs, not in his, his seat, but in one of our chairs. And I was making, di making, no, I was feeding the dog, which, so I was literally two feet away from him. And I had turned my back to put the dog dish down on the ground. And the next thing I hear is a big crash and Jimmy's wail. And I turn around and there's blood everywhere. And Jimmy had fallen off the chair and bitten through his lip. So we rushed to the ER on that one. But it turns out that it wasn't as bad as we thought. And he didn't need stitches. And which is, I'm so grateful for because they, t they told us that if he had needed stitches, they would have had to put him, you know, <laughs> given him some sleep meds so that he could sleep through the operation and stuff. But, um... Luckily, he didn't need that, and he's been such a champ. It's like not even he's Like, we thought we were going to have to have him on mushy foods and soups for days, and he's just like, the next day, he was just eating all his normal foods and not even, like, not even whimpering or anything. Um, the inside of his lip was pretty bruised uh, for, for, for about a week afterwards, but like, didn't even face him at all. Um... So that's been, that's been a lot. And then, you know, um, my work has picked up quite a lot. And so I've done a lot of that and we've, we've started, um, I mean, we've kind of started going back to church back in this last summer, but we've been really a lot more focused on that and, uh, making it a priority now for the whole, pretty much the whole month of January, we couldn't go to church, but we were able to watch it online so that's been very comforting and it was also comforting that because I kind of just thought that I was a face in the crowd even though I grew up with a lot of the people that go to our church I kind of just didn't think that people really noticed us right because um, everybody's kind of wrapped up in their own world I know I am um, but we were getting messages from people every Sunday if we didn't show up at church they were messaging us and asking how we were if we were okay and we were informing them of things. Uh, my brother came over one day and gave my son a blessing, and then he gave me a blessing so that we could heal, and that was very comforting. I, sorry, I just love that uh, my family is so close and so caring. Oh, also, the day that I was in, I went to the ER <laughs> when I could finally talk. I called my parents who are out of town at the moment and I just, I called my mom and I just said, you have to come home now. I'm dying. That's how bad it was, folks. Like, <laughs> um, 
But I mean, I, I said it in such a way that my mom was panicking. And luckily, like, I think my sister called. And so I kind of connected the, uh, I merged all the calls. And my sister Amy was like, Emily, just hang up. I will tell mom everything that's going on. But you just worry about taking care of yourself and, and, and being okay. And so obviously my parents didn't come home early. <laughs> they realized I was panicking. But we've had... We've had sub-zero temperatures. I already mentioned that, and it's been quite challenging. When you go out of your home and the air literally hurts to breathe, that is pretty hard to deal with. And when you live in such a tiny home that we do, and, and you have such a rambunctious, energetic child, I, it was really hard for me, especially me being sick. But something has switched in Jimmy. Before he was sick, he wasn't really the cuddly type. And I always bemoaned that fact. Like, I always daydreamed that my baby and I would be cuddling all the time and just, you know, be stuck to each other like glue. I just had this fantasy of that. And that wasn't a reality when I had Jimmy. Like, even giving him a bottle, he he has so much energy. Like, he, like from almost from the moment he was home... He would uh, take the bottle, but then he would want to move around in some way or go and crawl around when he learned to crawl. And then when he learned to walk, he would drink a little of the bottle and then toddle off <laughs> and then come back for more. But we never really cuddled too much. And I always bemoaned that. But while he was sick for three or four, three days, maybe four days, that's all Jimmy and I did. We just, we laid in bed or sat on the couch and we cuddled. Either his, his head was leaning on my shoulder, or he was in my lap, or I was laying down with him on top of me, or he was sitting, did I say in my lap? I don't know. But he, we were just connected, like, the entire time. Um, and since then, the connection between Jimmy and I has blossomed <laughs> in such a beautiful way. My son and I cuddle nonstop now. Um, he's always touching me, wanting to hold my hand, sit on my lap. And now when we have bottle time, because he still has warm whole milk before he goes to bed. And I love that time because it helps him wind down and get ready for bed. Now eventually I know that will have to end. He's almost two. A couple more months and he'll be two. But for now... I, I really enjoy that time with him. And he just snuggles right up to me and gives me eye contact. <sighs> I just love it so much. And then intellectually, he has grown so much since he had that fever. Now, I thought he would have regressed some more. But he now says things like nose and toes Dada, he said, Mama, he says, Mama, all the time now, and Mommy, all the time now. Doggy, ducky, um, cheese, uh, so many words. Like, he's just. Now, besides your Mama and Dada, the words are jumbled, right? But he just lights up every time we give him kudos or tell him how smart he is or congratulate him or anything that 
I think he's, he, no, I know he's feeding off of that and it's just empowering him and motivating him to just grow and grow and grow. And one thing that we've been working on just this, just the last two days since Friday is playing ball with him in a very intentional manner where we will sit across from each other and I'll, and I will hold the ball and I'll say, Jimmy, and I'll wait until I got eye contact with him. And then I say, ready? And then I throw the ball as I say, go. And he works on catching it. And then he throws it back to me. And he, until two days ago, the whole ball thing was just a random, he's throwing it around the room and then chasing it again. He would never play catch with me. Sometimes um, I could throw the ball and he would run and get it and bring it back to me. But it's kind of like playing fetch, I guess. But now we're playing into, and he, intentional catch with each other. And today during the Super Bowl, we did that for, I don't know, half an hour. As a family, we just sat in a triangle on the floor and played catch in this way. And he just loved it so much. And his laughter is so infectious. His smile is so wonderful. I just, I don't know. It's, it's just changed and blossomed and just been so beautiful. And equally, since I've been sick, my patience with Jimmy and his rambunctiousness and his energy has completely shifted. Like, I've just, I find joy in it now. And it's just, I just, I love it so much. Um, a good example of that is just a last, this last Thursday, I was in a meeting with a coworker online. So I was sitting at the kitchen table and uh, Jimmy when I have those kinds of meetings, I put on Coco Melon for Jimmy, and he just usually sits and watches that. He'll sit on my lap and, and look over my shoulder and watch it while I'm in the meeting. But this time he was watching it, and I thought nothing about it. He was just, I mean, like, oh, of course I would kept on checking on him and looking over at him, but he was enraptured with it, so I thought everything was kosher. Well, I finished the meeting, and I called out to Jimmy, and he smiled and laughed and came toddling up, and he handed me the toy he'd been playing with. And it was covered in something brown. And I was like, ooh, what's that? I don't, what is that? And then I started smelling things. And then I looked at his hands, and his hands were covered in brown. And then I kind of figured it out. He had reached into his diaper and pulled out, you know, number two. And was smearing it on things. And had it smeared on some objects in the living room. And all over himself. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get frustrated I didn't go, I didn't even, I just laughed. I just thought it was the funniest thing. I just, and it still is in my head. It is hilarious. And I went and I just put him straight into the bath. And when he was done with the bath, I cleaned up all the items and sanitized the house again. And I washed my comforter because while I was undressing him, we got some number two on the comforter and stuff. So I just washed our bedding and everything. But never once did I feel like this was a burden or that, I was frustrated with him and his antics or that I like felt like I couldn't handle the situation. <laughs> it was <laughs> just, <laughs> I just think it's the funniest thing to this day. I'm just, I mean, to this day, it's only a couple days later, but still, I just, I love that memory. I just love that memory. <laughs> Call me weird, but yeah. So we've had a lot of growth in our home I think and connection and love like the love in our home right now you can almost taste it it's so tangible and I just 
I just want to hold on to that and have it last for as long as possible. Oops, sorry. I forgot about my mic. Oh. I hope that you can cultivate that kind of love in your home or in your life, whatever it may look like. And just hold on to that, my friends. Love your loved ones. Reconnect if you haven't spoken in a while. There's very little that goes on in this world that you can't find within you to forgive and to make peace and heal from. It may be really hard and it might take you years. But you love these people for a reason and that love may change, but it probably won't diminish, especially if they're, if they're soul connections. I think those are the ones that hurt the deepest, those soul connections, right? Anyway, I'll get off that little tangent, too. You've already had enough of that kind of stuff for me today. Oh, my friends. So that's what's been happening. There's been a lot more, but I'll leave it at that. So thank you for indulging me in my memories there. Well, my friends, our time for this episode has come to a close. Thank you so much for joining me on this Huga journey of self-care. I hope it was, I don't know, enlightening, motivating, and also strengthening and recognizing where you're actually doing things in your in your life. Um, I really appreciate you, and I want you to know that I care about you. There's somebody in the world that cares about you. I might not know your name, but I I know your heart. So thank you for being with me. And remember to knit and crochet what you love. Wait, hold on. How do I how do I make that work? Knit what you love. Okay. Knit and crochet what you love and love what you knit and crochet. Hmm. Doesn't flow as well. I'll work on it. Oh, ta-ta for now, my friends. Mm-hmm.